0: created the earth and the universe and me and and, and everything else. Like if resurrections are possible for God, then it was easy for me to make the the next step that that God created the earth and, and the universe and everything in it. If resurrections are possible, it was a lot easier for me to believe that God could have this book that he spoke to these guys and they wrote these things down and and we've got this Bible now and it's the word of God and we're supposed to trust what it says. There's there's a lot of study and research that you can go into and and find that the Bible is actually the most historically reliable document in all of ancient history. That's debatable and it's hard. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of study to learn that. And so what I found though is if Jesus rose from the dead. Like if that actually happened, then it was a lot easier for me to believe that God created the earth and the universe and that I could trust the Bible and everything else. You might be thinking, well, where do you get that? Like, where do you get that idea that like all of Christianity can hinge on the resurrection of Jesus? Well, Paul actually said it. Watch this, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul was a skeptic himself did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, did not believe that that Jesus had risen from the dead or or that he was the son of God. In fact, he persecuted Christians in his before Christ life. Paul sees the, the risen Jesus, he gives his life to Jesus, he becomes a preacher for Jesus, he begins to tell other people the good news about Jesus. And here's what Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, here's what he said. He said, if Christ has not been raised, then watch this, then all our preaching is useless. Like if Jesus hasn't been risen from the dead, then our preaching, everything that we're saying, everything that we're talking about, it's all useless. And then he says this, and your faith is useless. If Jesus has not been risen from the dead, listen to me, follower of Jesus tonight. If Jesus has not been risen from the dead, then what I'm doing right now here, it's useless, it's pointless. You being here is pointless. Your faith is pointless if Jesus has not been risen from the dead because he says this, and then you would still be guilty of your sin. In that case, watch this, here's what he says next. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, watch this, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Paul says, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then you and I as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, Paul says, then we should be pitied because we've trusted in this guy who said he rose from the dead. We've put all of our our faith and trust in this guy who claimed to be risen from the dead. And if he hasn't been, then our preaching is useless. Our faith is useless. It's pointless for us to even be here tonight. If Christ hasn't been risen from the dead, it's pointless for us to sing the songs that we're singing tonight. We shouldn't even be here if Christ has not been risen from the dead. So Paul says all of Christianity hinges on the statement or the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. Paul keeps going, he says even more, he takes it even further, watch this. Later in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32, he says this, and if there is no resurrection, watch this, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. In other words, if Jesus hasn't been risen from the dead, then not only are we wasting our time here, not only is our faith faith absolutely useless, not only am I wasting my time right now if Jesus hasn't been risen from the dead, not only that, he said, live how you want. Live it up. I mean, what's the point? If Jesus has been risen from the dead, then let's feast and drink and party it up because tomorrow we we may die. So in other words, do what you want. Live how you want. If Christ has not been risen from the dead. So the question is, is there evidence to show that Jesus has been risen from the dead? Because here's... What the funny thing is, or what the amazing thing is, is a lot of people live like this. And they're not sure whether he rose from the dead or not. They don't, they don't know. They never studied it. They've never figured it out. And if he has risen from the dead, then if you're kind of doing your own thing and living how you want to live and kind of going your own way, then you're making a huge mistake. You're making a huge mistake. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, then, then he is Lord. He is the Son of God. He is who he's said to be. He is the only way to heaven if Jesus rose from the dead. If he's not, if there's no evidence, if he didn't raise, if he wasn't risen from the dead, then Jesus was either a liar or he was a lunatic. But it's one of the three. Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. Because Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. Jesus claimed to be the only way to heaven. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. And so Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord of all, he is the Son of God. And that has huge implications for our life. It has huge implications for when where we'll spend eternity if Jesus rose from the dead. So is there evidence? Is there evidence that would point in this direction? Well, I found that I believe there is. I believe there is evidence that points in the direction of the resurrection of Jesus. And in this series, I'm gonna share it with you. And here's what we're gonna do: I'm gonna share. Between tonight and tomorrow, I'm going to share with you four, or I mean, not tomorrow, next week, uh, I'm going to share with you four historical facts that are so strongly attested historically that nearly every scholar who studies the subject agrees on. Even the skeptical ones, even the scholars who aren't followers of Jesus. There are four historical facts that are so strongly attested historically. That even skeptical or unbelieving scholars will grant that they're true. And so we're going to look at one of them tonight. We'll look at three next week. And then in week three, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a fifth statement. That most scholars agree on. Most even skeptical scholars agree on. Although not all. It's more it's more debatable. And so we'll talk about that in week three. So one tonight, three next week. And then we're going to talk about a fifth historical fact that is most, that most people agree on. Okay. So here we go. Here's number one tonight. Fact number one, Jesus died by crucifixion. Historical fact number one is that Jesus died by crucifixion. Now you might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with the resurrection? Well, to have a resurrection, you first have to have a dead person. He has to be like dead, like dead, dead, like fully dead in order to have A resurrection, like to have someone come back from the dead, they have to be dead in the first place, right? So, fact number one is that Jesus died by crucifixion. Crucifixion was the method of torture and execution that the Romans used for criminals. It was horrendously painful, extremely bloody, a terrible, maybe the worst way in history to die was to die by crucifixion. Now we've got four early sources inside the Bible. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A lot of people think, well, that's the Bible, that's one source. No, it's actually four, because it's four different people, four different witnesses. But we're not gonna really spend time talking about sources inside the Bible in this series. We'll reference the Bible But most of the time, we're going to give sources outside the Bible. You may not have realized that there are sources outside the Bible that talk about Jesus, that talk about his death, and that we'll talk about his resurrection. And so we're gonna talk about four tonight. I'm gonna give you four early first century, like within the same time period or around the time that Jesus was living. I'm gonna give you four early inside or outside the Bible sources tonight that will show that Jesus lived and died and died by crucifixion. So first one, first source outside the Bible is by a man named Josephus, a Jewish Jewish historian. And just to note, again, a Jew did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, did not believe that he was the son of God. So this man was not a follower of Jesus, he was a Jew. So here's what he said, when Pilate upon hearing him accused by men of the highest standing amongst us had condemned him, talking about Jesus, to be crucified. So Josephus, the most famous Jewish historian there is, said that Pilate heard Jesus accused by men of the highest standing, some the religious people, the the priests, the high priests of the day, had condemned him to be crucified, talking about Jesus. So we got first, our our first early outside source of the Bible saying that there was this man, Jesus, who was condemned to die by crucifixion by Pilate, just like the four inside sources in the Bible said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, second source outside the the Bible. We've got, uh, this is Tacitus, um, one of the most famous Greek historians, or Roman historians rather, that there is. And he said this, Nero fastened the guilt of the burning of Rome and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, this was his Roman name, Jesus Christ, talking about Jesus here, Jesus Christ. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, the Christians, suffered the extreme penalty, that's crucifixion, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procreators, procurators, Pontius Pilatus, Tacitus. One of the most famous Roman historians there is where we get a lot of our ancient Roman history from, that none of us would ever debate was true or or, or was not true in, in, in Roman history. A lot of it we get from this guy. And he's talking about this man named Jesus, who is condemned to die by crucifixion. Next, Lucian was a Greek historian, or a Greek novelist, rather. And he said this, the Christians, you know, worship a man to this day, the distinguished personage who introduced their novel rites and was crucified on that account. So now we've got A Jewish historian, a Roman historian, now a Greek historian, all saying that there was this man named Jesus who was sentenced to die by crucifixion under Pilate. All right, let's go to the last one. We've got the Talmud, which was a collection of Jewish rabbis in their teachings. So there was a lot of different rabbis that would have different teachings and sayings in in the Talmud. And so the Talmud is another Jewish source, but but it was many different rabbis had writings in the Talmud, and here's what it says. It says, on the eve of the Passover, Yeshu was hanged. This is in Greek, Jesus, and hanged is another way they would say Jews would talk talk about being hung on a tree. They're referencing the idea of being crucified on a cross because it was made of a tree or made of wood. So we've got four at least. There's more. I'm just giving you four tonight. We've got four outside sources that talk about this man named Jesus who was crucified on a cross under the reign of Pilate. So we've got four inside sources. We've got four outside sources. And so it led this man. His name is John Crossan. He's a professor, a scholar, also an atheist, with all this outside information, with all these outside sources, it led John Crossan to say this, an atheist, that he, Jesus, was crucified is as sure as anything historical can ever be. That there was a man named Jesus who lived and died by crucifixion, he says, is as sure, this is an atheist professor, is as sure as anything historical can never be. Now, you might be sitting here and you're like, okay, so yeah, there was this guy named Jesus. He was sentenced to die, he died by crucifixion, okay. But maybe, maybe he didn't actually die. Like maybe he just went into a coma and appeared to die, right? I mean, that would make sense. Maybe, maybe he just appeared to die. He didn't really die. He just, it just looked like he died. It's called the swoon theory. that maybe he just appeared to die. He swooned. The problem with that theory is it's virtually impossible. You see, in May of 1986, the Journal of American Medical Association came out with an article. They had some doctors that came together and researched crucifixion and all the accounts of the crucifixion of Jesus. They had some doctors from the Mayo Clinic and, and everything. It was, I mean, it's an amazing group of people that came together to study the, the crucifixion and the crucifixion, specifically the crucifixion of Jesus. And here's what they found. Some of their findings in the Journal of the American Medical Association. They said this, the usual instrument, talking about the scourging or the whipping, the beating that would take place before someone was crucified. The usual instrument was a short whip with several single or braided leather thongs of variable lengths in which small iron balls or sharp pieces of sheep bones were tied at intervals. The man was stripped of his clothing and his hands were tied to an upright post. The back, buttocks, and legs were flogged. The scourging, which was intended to weaken the victim to a state just short of collapse or just short of death, And as the Roman soldiers repeatedly struck the victim's back with with full force, the iron balls would cause deep contusions, and the leather thongs and sheep bones would cut into the skin and subcutaneous tissues. Then, as the flogging continued, the lacerations would tear into the underlying skeletal muscles. This is what the Journal of the American Medical Association found For short, they call it jamma. This was the beating that you would take before you were crucified. We're not even talking about being the crucifixion yet. Here's what they found about the crucifixion that when they would begin to nail you to the cross, they would drive the nails in through your hands and through your feet to fasten you to this cross. Here's what they found out about the pain that would come from that. The driven nail would crush or sever the large sensory motor median nerve. The stimulated nerve would produce excruciating bolts of fiery pain in both arms. The way they described you could think about this or just begin to even perceive the pain that would come from being nailed like this through your hands and through your feet would be if you could take the idea of hitting your elbow on something and that, that kind of that pain or that, that sensation that rifles through your arm when you just hit it just right. They said, imagine taking a pliers and crushing that nerve and that pain and that sensation never going away. That was the pain that would come from the nails going through your hands and through your feet. So they would nail you to the cross. They, they fastened Jesus to the cross and they would lift it up in the air. And the amazing thing is after all of that, after all the blood loss and the pain and the, the beating that you would take, you, you wouldn't actually normally die because of all you would die through asphyxiation. Because when you would get up on the cross, the pain would be so intense from the nails that went through your feet, that instead of pushing yourself up or propping yourself up on your feet, you would allow yourself to hang, to hang from the nails in your hands. The problem with that is, is you can't breathe very well in the down position. So here's what would happen sometimes for days. Not minutes, not hours. This could go on for days where you would see the person hanging in the down position to get a breath. They would pull up and push up and take a breath and exhale and go back down over and over and over again. And because this could last so long, the Roman soldiers would come often and they would take a club and they would break your legs so that you could no longer push up or pull up on the nails in your hands. So they would come by and break your legs. They were pros at this. And so when they came to the cross where Jesus was, the thieves that were being crucified on either side of Jesus were still alive and so they broke their legs. And so they soon after died. When they came to Jesus, they found he was already dead. And so, as the prophecy said in Isaiah 53 that not a bone in his body would be broken, there wasn't. Because Jesus had already died. And just to be sure, Instead of breaking his legs, the Romans took a spear and they stuck it into his side. And when they stuck it into his side, blood and water f- came out of his side. And here's what Jamma said about the blood and the water that came from out of his side. Again, this is the Journal of American Medical Association. These are doctors. said that based on those accounts of the blood and the water flowing from his side, it meant that it ruptured the sac. I believe it's called the pericardium, around the heart. It ruptured that sac, and blood and water came out, which meant it confirmed that he was in fact dead. And so here's what Jamma said. Here's what they concluded in all their findings and all their research. Accordingly, Interpretations based on the assumption that Jesus did not die on the cross, like that he swooned, that he just appeared to die. Maybe he, a, maybe he was in a coma. Maybe he didn't really die. The assumption that Jesus did not die on the cross, is this, they said it appears to be at odds with modern medical knowledge. In other words, it's virtually impossible. It was impossible that Jesus was not dead. After all the different accounts, after all the sources, when, when all of it's examined, it was impossible that Jesus was not dead. So that's the first reason. You might think, well, maybe he wasn't, maybe he wasn't really dead. Maybe he just appeared to be dead. This, that's the first reason. It was virtually impossible. The second reason is this is that if Jesus was just almost dead, like he wasn't, he wasn't quite dead, but he, was, but he was almost dead, he appeared to be dead, and then they saw him, it wouldn't, his state would not have inspired them to go and to give their lives saying that Jesus had risen from the dead. Let me explain what I mean here. A few years ago, my wife and kids came home, they'd been gone, they came home. And they noticed through the windows that our dog, Sadie, who's a golden retriever, was dying. It was obvious, and I'm, I don't, I'm not gonna tell you all the reasons why it was obvious, but it was very gross, there was, there was stuff everywhere, and it was just, it was bad. We, we think she may have been poisoned. But they came home and my kids saw this. It terrified them. They were crying, they were saying, Mom, what's, what's wrong with Sadie? And, and so my, my wife, Darby, she's trying to calm the kids down, but then she's also trying to go outside to, to check on her dog and, and find out what's going on. So she goes outside, and he's on the porch. He was, she, she was on the porch. She was looking through the, the door. And so they saw all this happening. They saw the state that our, our dog was in. And so my wife goes outside to try to check on Sadie and see, see what's going on. And when she came back inside, she saw Nixon, my daughter, who was a baby at the time. And Coben was there and he was crying. He was upset, but she couldn't find Levi. The other thing that she found was that all the furniture in our living room was a hardwood floor. All the furniture had been moved. It had been scattered out in our living room. So she goes looking for Levi. She can't find him. Finally, she, she hears him sniffling, crying. He's in the closet. He's hiding. And so she goes into the closet and she says, you know, Levi, you know, what's wrong? And he said, mom, I, I, I freaked out. I, I panicked. And, and he, he literally, he, he was, he, this was three years ago. He's almost, and so he's probably seven. He moved a seven. He moved all of the furniture in our living room and he went and hid in the closet because he was so scared. He was so terrified what he was seeing. Why do I tell you that? Because a nearly dead Jesus would not have inspired boldness and courage in the face of torture and persecution and sudden and certain death that the disciples were facing. They were told, stop speaking about Jesus. Stop talking to us. Stop telling us about him being risen from the dead. And they wouldn't stop. And we'll talk about this next week, but they went to their graves. They were tortured. Some of them crucified the same ways Jesus was saying they saw Jesus risen from the dead. So imagine them seeing a nearly dead Jesus, beaten and whipped and bloodied and basically lifeless. That doesn't inspire boldness and confidence. That produces fear and discouragement. Seeing Jesus on death's doorstep would not have caused the disciples to go out risking in their lives saying, we've seen Jesus risen from the dead. No, it would have discouraged them. They wouldn't have given their lives for a nearly dead and bloody Jesus. It just would have made them more fearful. It would have discouraged them. But instead, the disciples went out proclaiming they saw this Jesus risen from the dead, strong in this new kind of body, Acts, the book of Acts says that Jesus spent 40 days with them, eating with them and talking with them. No, they saw Jesus risen from the dead. He was dead, like dead, dead. And they saw a new, brand new Jesus. Jesus. And it inspired them to go out and to talk about how they they said, we ourselves, we saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He was risen from the dead. We'll talk more about that next week. So let's review. Fact number one, Jesus died by crucifixion. We've got four early inside sources, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've got at least four outside sources that all point to Jesus dying by crucifixion. Now you might wonder, why would he do that? Why did Jesus go through all of that? Why did he allow himself, this is the Son of God, why would he allow himself to be beaten like that? To be tortured like that. To be put on a cross like that. Why, why would he allow himself to, to go all through that? Well, Peter, one of his disciples who saw him risen from the dead, said this. Watch this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Peter said this. Christ suffered for our sins, right? I mean, we just talked about that. Clearly, he suffered. He was beaten. He had nails put through his, his arms and, and, and his feet. He, he suffered. Why? For our sins for your sin, for my sin. He suffered because of our sin. Once for all time, like once for all time, like your sin, past, present, and future, Jesus suffered and died on the cross for your sin and for my sin, past, present, and future. Once for all time. He never sinned, but he died For sinners, that's you and me. In other words, he died in our place. He took the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin because we broke God's law. He paid it. He took it upon himself. He died for sinners, watch this, to bring you safely home to God. He died for us to pay the fine for your sin and my sin so that we could come safely home to God. Because you see, if he didn't do that, then we couldn't come safely home to God. Our home, apart from Jesus, would be to spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell, to experience the wrath and the anger of God against our sin. Ephesians chapter two says that we're, We're all by nature, because of our sin, objects of the wrath of God. But then it goes on to say, but God who's so rich in mercy sent Jesus to die for us, to suffer for us, to pay the fine that you and I owe. He came, he paid the fine. that if you would put your faith and trust in Jesus, you would commit your life to Jesus. Your sin, once and for all, could be forgiven. Past, present, and future, your sin would be done. It would be finished. And so if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, can I tell you tonight that if tonight were your night, you would not be going safely home to God. You would be going to your home in hell to experience the fine, the punishment for your sin because you rejected the one who came and paid it for you. And so you have a choice tonight. If you've never given your life to Jesus, the reason Jesus died on the cross for you is to bring you home to God. But you've been rejecting that. Tonight is your night to say, no more, no longer. I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. How could I continue to reject such a loving God who would send his son to go through that, to have a relationship with me, and to offer me eternity in heaven, in paradise with my God, with my savior. So if you're here tonight and you wanna commit your life to Jesus, I just wanna challenge you, take out that connection card that was in your chair, fill it out, check that box that says, I'm committing my life to Christ, take it to the VIP center over there on the side. We've got a free gift for you just to help you in your new relationship with Jesus. And we want to celebrate that decision with you. So tonight we we covered the first fact, but you got to come back next week as we look at a few more and talk about why we believe the best reasons why we believe Jesus actually rose from the grave. Would you stand tonight? Our team's gonna lead us in worship here in just a second. And here's what I want to invite you to do. As you stand, would you just close your eyes? Just right where you're at, just close your eyes. And here's what I want you to picture. I just want you to picture in this moment, that cross going up in the air and seeing Jesus hanging on that cross. The nails are in his hands and his feet. He's hanging there just to get a breath. He pushes up on the nails in his feet. He pulls up on the nails in his hands just to get a breath. And when he gets a breath, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And then he pushes up again and he says, it is finished. What? What's finished? Your sin, your past, present, and future sin. It's finished death is finished your meaningless life it's finished you're trying to be good enough to be right with god that's finished too you're free you're free you are free and it's all because of jesus it is finished